0: Hi, this is Chad. I'm so glad to be part of your journey towards product mastery so that you and all of us can do a better job creating products that our customers actually love. This episode, I want you to know, is sponsored by the Rapid Product Mastery Experience, the RPM Experience, which is the fastest way for product VPs to help their product managers and everyone else that's contributing to products to increase their performance in a very meaningful way. Go to productmasterynow.com RPM to see how it can help you too. Today, we're talking about listening, which is fitting as you're listening to this podcast, but it's actually a skill that we need as product managers, right? And I wonder if you just take a moment and think about how you might rate yourself as a listener. I do consider it as a superpower for us who are in product work, uh, product managers and innovators. And that's because proper listening is a key way that we get those insights from customers And it's also part of those characteristics of people that have more influence over time in organizations. That's pretty important to us, too. To help us develop this superpower of listening, I do a better job with that, Christine Miles joins us. She is the author of What Is It Costing You Not to Listen? The Power of Understanding to Connect, Influence, Solve, and Sell. For three decades, Christine has been helping organizations improve by applying human skills to drive results and build cultures of empathy, And that word empathy always catches my attention as a key way for how we can meaningfully relate to others, and it's certainly part of listening. And she teaches people to listen differently. We'll find out what that means in just a moment. Also, as a reminder for everyone, especially if this is your first time listening to this podcast, we take detailed written notes of everything that we do discuss. We also prepare a one-page action guide which are the key takeaways that Christine will be sharing with us that will help you put them into action immediately. So get this one-page action guide. Take a look at the written notes if that helps you. You can find all those resources at productmasterynow.com slash 384. Christine, thanks for joining us.
1: Oh, my pleasure. I'm very happy to be here.
0: And thanks for listening through that and my, my <laughs> long introduction there. I wanted to get a sense of your path a little bit. I always like finding out about people's backgrounds and how, what they're doing and the expertise they've gained in an area, right? how that came about. And I saw as, as part of your background that you have been involved helping CEOs and executives through a group that's called the uh, Vistage Worldwide Group. And for people that don't know that, it's basically a, a peer learning group for business owners, for CEOs mm-hmm. and the like. And they bring in a lot of experts from time to help you know, coach those CEOs. And I suspect, since I, I saw you've been doing that for nearly a decade now, that you've learned a lot about the needs of leaders. And I'm curious how that shaped this focus you have on listening.
1: Most of my um, career, I've been talking with senior leaders, CEOs, and such. So it's within Vistage and certainly beyond that, and uh, it's, been very, it's been very helpful to understand from the top as well as from the, the bottom of the organization how this is universally a need. And I love you said a lot of really important things in what you introed here for your product developers and managers, because I love that you're thinking about what is the insight to really make the, the product differently. And one of the things I've learned is that CEOs know that's important, but they don't necessarily know they're expecting something they haven't taught People
0: how to hmm. We might call this one of the soft skills of success, right? The, those hard skills, the technical skills that make us successful. Mm-hmm. And then there's those human skills about how we relate with each other. I don't, how do you feel about that characterization?
1: I I think it's right on. The name of my company is called Equipped, with a capital E and then a Q, for equipping the human skills for that very reason. We're so focused, and the technical skills matter, don't get me wrong. It's important foundationally, but we know star performance is accelerated by emotional acuity uh, and intelligence, not just intelligence. So, when you marry those two things together, is when you really have the superstars in an organization and superstars at what they innovate and do. So, I'm, I'm all on board with what you said.
0: Okay. As product people, I think we tend to have a little bit of a leg up on the soft skills in general, right? A uh, big painting with a big brush here um, than others. You know, we do see technical people. Sometimes in organizations elevated to be in a management role and or leadership role. And that doesn't always work because what made them technically competent doesn't mean that they're naturally going to be competent with the human skills. But As product people, we we often have that kind of customer focus as well. I think we have a leg up a little bit and about why listening is. And just to frame this again, as product people, we really do need to understand our customer's insight, or understand our customer needs. We get those insights by listening. In part, Mm -hmm. we need to influence others in the organization. We need to somehow leverage the stakeholders and other resources we have in the organization to help us work towards product. We have all this responsibility and no real authority, and typically no real resources we control to to help us with this. So, influence is pretty important for us. Just to underscore why listening is important, there's probably some failure stories that you've come across that stand out. About gosh, we could have avoided this if we people were just listening better. Do you have a good story to share with us?
1: Yeah, I have lots of stories about that. and I want to just reflect what you said because I think it's important and then also take a step back as I share a story. So that's I, you started out saying, how would you rate your listening skills? And I love that you did that. That's actually how I started the book. I said, we tend to, according to Harvard Business Review, even if we think we're not great at listening, we'll still will overestimate our ability, not underestimate it. It's like our driving skills we think we're better than we actually are. So I don't, I'm not saying that your audience isn't better than most. What I know is that even if they are, they haven't really been taught how, because we have zero years of education in our in our education systems from grade school through college through graduate school through executive programs through project management programs and zero years on educational on listening so there's a huge gap so that's a problem and and so we're winging it through and and that's why I believe no matter what we're all failing to listen because we're missing so many things in the conversation no matter how good we are at it because we're just not equipped really to how to do it so I I was thinking about this a little bit as we were getting ready to talk, and just not so long ago, probably in the last year, I jumped in on a very technical call with a bunch of engineers that had delivered a a product that's an energy-saving project, and we were at the stage where we had to validate the results. And one of the things that was happening was that the the engineers and the customer, who was also like a facilities guy, very engineering-minded, were talking about They thought the same thing, but they really weren't on the same page at all. What the customer was asking for and what the engineers uh, who also designed this product were delivering, they, they weren't hearing what the customer was really asking for. Unfortunately, the head of sales that was on the call saw that and he's been trained in how to listen differently, and intervened and realized, Hey, we're not even aligned here. What this is what the customer is asking for. Is that right? And he said, Yes. And then the engineers went and then we aligned and then they solved a different problem. Hmm. So the main failure that happens is we end up solving the wrong problems over and over again and i imagine that your listeners are dealing with that in terms of trying to uncover what the customer really needs not just what they want is what's the real problem we're trying to solve here
0: yeah it reminds me of that it's a joke right about you find this guy in the parking lot that's looking underneath the where the light is at, at night and say, what are you looking for? So I lost my car keys. Oh, you lost them around here? No, I lost them over there in the dark, but I, it's easier to see here, right? <laughs> and Sometimes we solve problems because we can solve them, mm-hmm. not because it's the best or right problem to solve. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like that salesperson had some training to listen differently and recognize that people were maybe even using the same words, but had very different meanings behind them.
1: That's right. And he was trained, and that helped a lot. And and look, most of us are well-intended, and so we don't even know that we're missing. That's,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's. I call it death by a thousand cuts. We may be missing and not aware because we're not trained to really even know when we're missing. And so then we go and we solve the wrong things or we're talking, and, and, and the conversation then happens later. That customer says, well, they didn't get me. Or the engineers go, well, the customer doesn't seem like they get it. And we're not really bridging those kind of gaps. So a lot of time is wasted. A lot of money is wasted. And the foundation of the house of companies are what your product managers and developers are doing. If they don't have products, companies can't be successful. So they may not have influence, but they certainly have a very important job to, to get innovative that are, that are market needed, right? Not just market ready.
0: Yeah, exactly right. Help us with this uh, uh, listening differently skill set then. Maybe you can ju- just share what, what the foundation of that is, kind of frame this for us for how we should be thinking about it.
1: So listening differently, or what, what we call transformational listening, is really going beyond what is known as something called attentive listening. If you ask anybody about what they think they know about listening, it's that you should be attentive. I, I need to show people I'm paying attention. And I think that's an incredibly low bar To achieve, first of all. And secondly, paying attention in this kind of fast paced digital world is even harder than it used to be. So now we're expecting even more. What we're focused on is listening differently, which is to do what you said very early on here, which is to understand and to uncover the insight. And when you that earns you the right to solve the problem that earns you the right to give advice or to sell something, an idea, an innovation, not just a product. But that's really the foundation of the house, as we like to put it. And that started very young in my life. I learned to do this from a very young age.
0: You, You want to tell us more about that?
1: Yeah, sure. I I had a mother who had some psychological issues. She came by it very honestly. She had lost her mother from being born. And she was very on the outside, very beautiful, warm, charismatic, fun. She was funny, too. But underneath that surface, there was all kinds of pain. And people didn't see it, right? The problem that they didn't see. My job in the family was to understand that. And... um Burden and gift were both part of that. And then my father was an entrepreneur and, and he really, he started out selling chicken feed and got a job at Connecticut General selling life insurance. When they'd really put time on task about understanding your customers and and learning how to do that, not just the product side, but the listening and the other skills side. And that so I had a language of listening from a very young age, and I started realizing I was overachieving relative to any of my actual given abilities because I had that differentiator. And what that's turned into is I've realized a lot of problems get solved by listening differently but people need to be armed with the tools to know how. So that's really what started the journey. And then I've most of the problems I've helped solve in the career really boiled down to a lot of those misunderstandings. And if we uncover insight, what that can do for businesses, relationships, all kinds of things.
0: I appreciate you sharing that. Well, maybe a little bit of an aside for us, the experiences, cumulative experiences that we've had, especially when we look back at some of those early childhood experiences, kind of shape what is important to us today what we're good at and maybe what we should be doing. And I think it's good for all of us to reflect on that and appreciate you sharing that as well. You said something earlier that made me think when you were talking about understanding and uncovering that insight, mm-hmm. there are times as product people that it's easy for product people to fall in love with the solution, right? For us to be creating this new thing and bringing it into the world and it's our baby and we're going to hold on to it and protect it. Which is generally just a mistake, and we should be falling in love with the problem and really try to understand that. But there's times when we're having those engagements, and we might think we're actively listening to what the customer needs, but we're actually filtering it through our framework of what we believe the customer needs, and we're missing some things. Mm-hmm. Can you help
1: us? Very well said, and I wish that were just a, product, a problem for product developers and managers. It, it's a huge problem, and that filter is what gets in the way of really good problem solving and really innovation, like you said. So the problem there is that the brain is the enemy of listening. And so we're all, always telling ourselves a story, and what you just described is I can only imagine innovating like that. What it must feel like, and how that could those emotions and that story could get in the way, because it's hmm. what you, the need or the, the problem solve can be very exciting, but there is a miss there because you jade that story, and then it does contaminate what the customer may really need or the market may need. So that's one of the things that we have to overcome as the barrier to listening, and all that happens in our minds, which is why. I say you can't white knuckle your way to listening differently. Like the analogy, you know, I use and I talked about in the book is you wouldn't go into the woods for three weeks to camp and sleep overnight and get from one side of the mountain to the other without any tools in your backpack. Like that would be crazy, right? So we're doing that in conversations and in in really important conversations, we're going in completely unprepared, hoping I'll just white knuckle my way through it and I'll make it to the other side of the woods
2: it just doesn't work that way we'll be back in just a minute this podcast is sponsored by the rpm experience the rapid product mastery experience in just nine weeks meeting 75 minutes a week product managers teams and leaders become product masters creating more value for customers their organization and themselves you will build a broad foundation of product management knowledge get everyone on the same page while also improving collaboration and renewing a focus on the customer, all resulting in higher performance. Participants feel empowered and more confident about their work. They learn how to create value for customers and revenue for their organization. One product leader who used the RPM experience across a global organization said it is the only training that provides an integrated product management perspective. It did exactly what I needed. Many organizations have benefited from the RPM experience, and you'll find them listed at productmasterynow.com slash RPM. Go to the same URL and schedule time to talk about how Chad and his team can help you and your organization.
0: Okay, so can you give us some of those tools that should be in our backpack? And I think I've picked up on a couple that you've been using with me that stood out when we first started talking I shared the introduction and then talked about why this thing was important to product managers. You said, I want to reflect on what you said. Mm -hmm. Just now, you said, I can only imagine what that is like. And you rephrased what I said about being a product manager, which as you were saying both those things, Mm -hmm. I just felt warm and understood.
1: (laughs) Wow, very astute of you. That's rare. I appreciate that you noticed that. And one of the things you're picking up on is that one of the things I say is that the most powerful story you can tell someone is their own. Mm-hmm. And so when you tell somebody their own story, that's, there's your influence. You talked about how do we influence an organization? We think it's all about what we know, what we tell, what we say, but it's really what we understand. And understanding and saying I understand have nothing to do with one another. I could tell you I understood what you just said and you'd be like, okay. But if I share with you what I understood, reflect it, and then confirm and validate that with you, now we truly have understanding. And I love that you say that I've made you feel warm and fuzzy because it should. It's a rare thing that happens. I'm thrilled when the waitress or waiter ref, you know, reflects my order because I'm always, I want this on the side and that. And if they don't do that, I'm worried the whole time that it's not going to come out properly. So why would it be any different when we're developing something really important that can change our customers' game in terms of what they're doing?
0: So reflecting and validating that understanding is important. Help us with some specific tools to what should we be putting into practice here
1: so reflecting is important but it's premature to to know to do that before you really get the story so we have a it's interesting use the word path what was my path to getting here because that's the analogy for how to really gather what we call a story every time you're in a conversation a story is happening So it's really about understanding that story and then being able to uncover it and then ultimately discover the insight. So one of the most important tools that I think would be helpful to your listener, and this is just one of six, are what we call the six most powerful questions, right? So if you know what questions to ask, then it really helps you get the story. The technical questions your listeners already know. Unfortunately, technical questions can lead the witness a little bit. Because like you said, if I like this innovation, if I'm falling in love with my own idea, I can lead people down the path that I want them to go, just almost like a defense attorney can lead the witness a little bit through their questions on the witness stand. So it's really how do you ask what we call more open-ended questions, and that's harder than it looks. So we've simplified it down to what the best interviewers, journalists, and therapists do. Just as an example, one of the most important questions you can ask is, Take me back to the beginning. That's one of the six most powerful questions. People tend to start in the middle of the story or the struggle, the problem they have, and then we tend to go forward. And it's more important to go backwards before we go forwards. Where did this start? When did this, you know, take me back. And when we get that, I liken it to we get the beginning of the movie, so we're not so confused. We know we're we're already on the, the path together, So that's a really important and powerful question.
0: I like that one. It's related to some tools that are in the product manager's tool set. One of those is called Jobs to be Done. And related is another thing called a, a customer journey map. And the idea here is let's understand from the very beginning, why did you start thinking about needing that product? So a classic example is buying a mattress. If we stand in the mattress store with, the, with our piece of paper or you know, our tablet as people are coming out of the store and ask them about their experience, it actually probably started a year ago when, when they recognized they're not sleeping as well and there was some other impetus for thinking about a mattress. Right. And we also often will ask questions like, what's a specific example of how you've solved this problem before? We're, tr- mm-hmm. we're trying to get to the beginning of something else. Mm-hmm. So I really like that question.
1: A lot of people ask me, what about the why questions? And I have a background in psychology. I have a master's in psychology. One of the good things about why questions is it does take us back. The, The negative or the difficult thing is some people don't know why. And so it's hard to, and it can also feel like I have to justify that. So one of the things is psychologically, people can actually shut down when you start asking them why versus open up. So this is a way to keep that conversation very broad and open. And I always say, look, I can throw a football, Tom Brady can throw a football, like we can both get it down the field, but he can probably do it a little bit better than me. So there's always a better way. And so I'll just be, I'll be egotistical enough to say, I promise this is an even better way. If you simply say, take me back, where did it start? When mm-hmm. people, when you give them that open ended, they'll lead you because their minds will relax And much more will open up.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I love that question. Okay, there's six of these. I would love to hear some more.
1: Sure. So the next one is simple. And if you, again, listen to great people, great listeners, interviewers, it's tell me more, right? Sometimes after somebody starts, we start to get very technical or prescriptive in our questions and again, we're shaping the story. So when somebody starts talking, it's simply, tell me more. Well, they might stop, or you need to interrupt them to get them to tell you a little bit more. And that, that again, the people will just keep going and help you, guide you where they need to go without it being a conscious process.
0: Tell me more. Powerful.
1: And the brain is curious this way. When you have the questions, it prompts your curiosity as well as the teller or the talker, their curiosity. So so another one is then what happened. So five-year-olds are very good at, well, then what happened? What's next, right? So the brain is wired to want to know. So that's an easy one. But it's just another way of going, let's figure out what else is going on here. hmm so those are very what questions. They're very like factual questions that'll often breed facts. So this is very important for your listeners. Some may be asking that, others may be not, because sometimes it feels weird. But especially around what they're doing, the question, how does that make you feel, is incredibly important in, in when you're really trying to uncover the true need versus what the ask is. Now, I, maybe you can give me some perspective, Chad, on how comfortable that question is for you or for the for your listeners, the people that you serve. Is that a common question you ask in your process?
0: To frame this, a lot of product managers, Talk about being uncomfortable having conversations with customers, Mm. right? And there's some anxiety there maybe because like we really need to figure out what they want. And so that creates some anxiety. The the stakes feel high. What if I say the wrong thing? If you say the wrong thing, there's more customers to talk to. So we can take some pressure off of that, right? Yes. And a lot of this does come through practice. But I think many of us go down a track of, tell me about the example. Tell me about the scenario. What was that like for you at that time? Mm-hmm. And so we get all the details of the scenario. But when our products connect emotionally with customers, that's a much more powerful value that we're creating for customers. And I think it may be easier for us to not ask that question that you just asked. How does that make you feel? If someone is really struggling solving a problem... And we get the details about all the things they tried and how they actually ended up solving it and never ask an emotional question. How did that make you feel when you couldn't solve it? Mm-hmm. How did that make you feel when you did find the solution? That's something we can tap into that's much more powerful for creating value for customers.
1: Remember, we're not socialized to ask about emotions. So it's an understandable feeling to not. Feel comfortable, I've used the word twice already in that scenario the The great thing is it's the most powerful question nobody will ever notice that you asked, but they will answer it like there's no tomorrow and And just like I said, there's you know other ways to do this. People will often say, Is there another way I can say that or I unless and the reality is if you want to just throw that football down the field as with as much precision as possible, you'll just use that in its literal form because people will answer it. Unless you get weird about how you ask it, it's just you getting comfortable yourself. It's not that you ask it, it's how you ask it. So when it's conversational and matter of fact... The question goes unnoticed, but the results are very powerful because people buy emotionally, not logically. You can have the best logical solution, like you just said, but emotions rule because that's where, that's, we know now that's the part of the brain that lights up when people buy, which is also why it's important when you're trying to influence that you're tapping into the emotions as well. It's this almost imperceptible question. And when you're listening, you'll start to notice that this is something you're doing. But the question is, hmm, so it's a little bit of a verbal tell me more without saying those words, because sometimes we don't want to stop the talk, the talker. We just want to encourage them to keep going let them know we're still with them on the path. So it's that keeps the conversation and the teller moving forward in the conversation. So that's the fifth question. And again, you'll notice the best journalists and interviewers do this. You've done this today already. When your listeners go back and listen. <laughs>
0: And I have recommended this to people, too, when they're doing customer interviews.
1: Have you? Wow, that's great. That's great. And it's so natural. It's so natural that when you were what, what's great about the tools and even these questions is when the story its like watching a movie that you get engrossed in when you're listening differently and your brain is in an overdrive. These questions are like a sedative. The story comes to you in a different way. You're connected. That hmm comes out very naturally. It doesn't need to be super forced.
0: Absolutely. Now, I'm, I'm trying not to say hmm, but yes. <laughs> Good. Okay, what, what's the sixth question here?
1: The sixth question, and, and here's where it, it helps sometimes, and this is a place for people to start. It's another feeling question, so it's very important. But this time, rather than saying how does that make you feel, sometimes we have an idea, right, of how somebody might feel. You, it sounds like you feel and you fill in the blank. So excited, or you've been stuck for a long time, or you feel like this is really important. Like whatever the emotions are, you reflect that as part of the question. So it sounds like you feel angry, or you, it sounds like you feel really stuck. And that that then that gives the, the teller an opportunity to go, I'm not stuck, but I feel this way. And they keep talking, well then now we're back to tell me more, right? Once you hear that, you can say, tell me more. So those questions become almost like knitting or building something. You're weaving the fabric of those questions together in the conversation. You can ask them in any order you want, as often as you want. But those six questions will get you the majority of the story.
0: Appreciate you sharing those with us. That last question, it sounds like you're feeling, and then we're reflecting what we're hearing. I don't know if this is a good practice or a poor practice that I find myself doing. I'll often ask right after that, does that feel right? Or did I misunderstand what you're saying? Or I don't even know if I need to do that, right? Christina, it sounds like you're feeling sad about that. Is that how you're feeling, right? Tell me what I should be doing instead.
1: I I think that you're on the right track. I, I think that that's important because you're trying to validate and that's really important and connect. I don't know if I'm right or wrong. But sometimes if we just give people the space, they'll answer it for us, right? And then again, we're letting them to keep going. But if there's a pause and you're not sure, there's another tool, we call this on the path. So the questions are what we call the compass because they help guide us through the trail in the woods and stay on track. This tool is called what we call, we have the reflection, which is the flashlight. That's what we talked about earlier. That's another tool where I reflect what I said or what you said rather in, you know, 10 to 90 seconds, depending on how long I've listened. And then this next tool is called that affirmation tool. And it's exactly what you got to, which is to make sure the story or the feeling wasn't contaminated by something you're saying in your own brain. And that tool, that affirmation tool is called, the. it's the words, do I get you? So it's, it sounds like you're feeling angry. Do I get you, right? Not right or wrong, good or bad, but another open-ended, and they'll say yes, no, or they'll keep talking. So it's a way to make sure you're continually getting that alignment and that connection throughout the conversation.
0: Thank you for sharing those questions. I find so much of success comes by asking a few powerful questions in situations. And if I may, let me just uh, review these so everyone listening has these too. Okay. First, we have a few what-sort-of-oriented questions. Take me back to the beginning, then simply tell me more. And we're conti- wanting them to continue that story with us, so we simply ask, then what happened? Mm-hmm. And then trying to transition maybe to a little bit of the feeling involved, and not just the scenario that took place. So we, might, we could ask, how does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. And one of my personal favorites that I have (laughs) told people to use too,
1: hmm. Right.
0: And just to provide some space in the discussion for people to think a little bit more and maybe share a little bit more. And I love the last question you you, uh, shared with us. It sounds like you feel, so now we're trying to reflect our understanding of what might be involved in this.
1: Mm -hmm, Exactly. Okay. One of the things that I'll help you is with ratio, because we tend when we're in technical conversations, and the more we know, by the way, the more expertise we have, the harder it is to listen. Knowledge and expertise is the is another enemy of listening. Because we've seen it a hundred times, we've seen that problem over and over again, and we have ideas about how to solve it, right? So that's important too. So we can tend to focus on the what and the technical logical stuff rather than the feeling stuff. So it's not these questions are not necessarily to be used in order, although you do want to go back pretty early in the conversation. But the ratio is like one to three or one to five. So for every technical thing you ask, you want to get the emotions along with it. And we tend to miss that or ignore that because we're not socialized. So force yourself. To ask that feeling question, because that's what really opens up the story and not just the emotions of the story, but the facts of the story. If you want to get to the, the conclusion faster, that feeling question is like a turbo charge to both.
0: Excellent. Yeah. And it's so important for us to understand the emotions behind people's needs and wants. And if we can connect with that in our products, we stand out. We're doing something different.
1: And it is. It will be more memorable for sure. Good. Christine, thank
0: you so much for sharing the information from your book. We'll talk more about uh, the book in just a moment. But as listeners know, we love a good innovation quote around here. Mm -hmm. What did you bring us, and can you just share a little bit about what that means to you?
1: The quote is from uh, Albert Einstein. He says, any fool can know, but the point is to understand. And obviously, this speaks my language to such a large degree. I think we're in a world where we're taught to tell, talk, and know. And then we're surprised that people don't know how to uncover the insight and understand. And my mission is really to shift that paradigm, that I think we have it backwards, that we're going in with solutions, we're going in with knowledge and and problem solving without really understanding. So I think they're very wise words. And we have to do both, but I'd like us to understand first and then use our expertise to solve the problem. And listening earns the right to do that. The more you've earned the right through understanding, the more you can innovate and take more chances because people trust you. So it's big.
0: It's very big. This is like going to see a good doctor, where hopefully they're diagnosing first to actually understand the problem before they're prescribing. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes in businesses, we run down... I, I'm an engineer by trade, and I like developing solutions, and it's easy for me to get started on the solution before we adequately understand the problem. So understanding first is important.
1: About a doctor that I had that exact pro. So I'm pretty... Oh, I'd well, love to hear it. Yeah, I'm pretty well versed with my body. I had I was in an auto accident when I was 28, and that's, you. for those of you interested can read about that in the book as to how that also informed my kind of listening mission. But when I was an athlete, so I, I, you know, a lot of my body I, I work on. So I was getting a PRP treatment for a muscle tear that I had related to some of my injuries. PRP is where they take your blood and spin it. It's very innovative in and of itself. And it's regenerative medicine rather than surgical. I have a very good doctor who listens very well. And I went in thinking I knew exactly where the muscle was that he needed to repair. I had Googled it. I had studied it. I knew where the pain was. I walked in and I said, Dr. Scheipel, this is where my problem is. I'm almost positive. And he listened, took it in, evaluated, and he said, how about we do this? You might be right, but let's check under ultrasounds to make sure you're correct before we inject there. Because if you inject in the wrong place, it does nothing for the, the healing. So he took that in and it turns out it was just a smaller muscle behind the muscle that I thought it was. And so he got the right spot because he listened to what I had to say, used his own expertise, didn't rush to tell me what a, how dumb I was, that I didn't know what I was talking about. And we solved the problem together. I, I've referred a lot of people to this doctor because he's helped me and he's helped so many other people. But that's a big part of why he's so good is because he takes it all in instead of needing to be the expert. He's willing to wait to be the expert.
0: He's actively listening, right? Listening differently. And as product people, we need to do the same thing. And there's opportunities for us to co-create with our customers when they bring a potential solution, just in your example, and we can even make that better with them.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you for sharing that with us. Sure. Back to your book, we just scratched the surface. We got some powerful questions that we can ask. There's certainly more details about how we can listen better and what is it costing you not to listen. Tell us how we can find out uh, more about the book and other resources that you have, more about the work that you're doing.
1: Sure. The book's available on Amazon and all the regular kind of sites, Barnes & Noble, Ingram. Uh, They can also go to my website, which is equipped, that's E-Q-U-I-P-T, dash people.com to find out more about the book order the book as well as what we do we we train organizations product managers it organizations you name it to listen differently all around making that business impact so we know there'll be a personal impact as well but we're focused on those business results that help drive the, the success of the organization by uncovering the insights
0: It's a very important mission. These soft skills is really what makes the difference in people's trajectories in their career. Mm -hmm. We show up at work with the technical skills in place. It's the soft skills that really help us to stand out. So the more we can learn about that, the better. And I will have all those links in the show notes for listeners. Christine, thank you so much for joining us.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for your great curiosity and questions. I appreciate it.
0: Oh, it was a great discussion. Really enjoyed learning more about listening for myself as well. And as a reminder, product masters that are listening, if you do want that one page action guide so you can put into action, the key takeaways that Christine shared with us, as well as a written summary of all the notes, just go to productmasterynow.com slash 384. Everyone keep innovating.
2: Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master, creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating.